Hello and welcome to the Mindset Podcast. This is your host, Alex Muir. In today's episode 29, we're going to be speaking with Brian Bergford of Bergford Performance Systems. Now, in this episode, me and Brian discuss ways uh, how you can optimize your psychology to create powerful leverage for maximizing performance. Whether you're someone that has uh, a debilitating phobia, such as Brian had with uh, his for, with swimming, uh, Brian was someone that um, could not get in the water because he had this phobia of being submerged under the water. And so what he did, um, you know, in age 30, is he took up swimming lessons, joined a master's program, and a little less than five years later, had qualified in four events and was competing at the United States Masters Swimming National Championships. And not only that, Brian is a certified personal trainer, he's a certified dog trainer, an author, and a speaker. And if you're someone that wants to take your personal performance to the next level, Brian has an app for his clients called Bergford Performance Systems, which he delves deep into how you can maximize your personal performance and improve your personal mindset. And then to top it off, if you're, so, if you're also looking for some extra uh, extras there, he also has a free copy of five Olympic Training Center lessons to get back to your prime. So please welcome Brian Burford to the podcast. And this episode is brought to you by RadioGuestList.com, the number one free radio guest podcast and talk show guest expert interview booking service on the internet. Alrighty, Brian, welcome to the Mindset Podcast. Super ha- happy to have you on today and uh, really excited for you to share your experience, you know, especially your background in psychology and performance psychology, helping people, you know, get to that next level of experience, that next level uh, mindset. Because um, sometimes all people need is just a shift in their mindset and having the right coaching and mentorship to get to that very next level. So super to have you on, t- uh, happy to have you on t- today. Yeah, Alex, and I, I'm uh, stoked to be here, dude. I, I'm I'm pumped. Like, let's get this party started, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, so I was doing lots of research for our interview uh, this morning, and uh, you got quite the breadth of experience, and from a variety of different areas. And I and I like how everything that you've learned it's it all stems around uh, psychology and imp- and improving your mindset psychology. But tell us a little bit about how you know. You know, you studied psychology at the University of Colorado. You're a certified dog trainer. You're a certified fitness trainer. You're a, you know, a national speaker or you're a, you, you got your, your speaking engagements. You got a lot of different experience. And plus, you had a, you've had a phobia since, you know, a very young age for uh, swimming. And then you conquered that phobia by, you know, getting into swimming and competing. So tell, tell us a little bit about how how all that started, uh, <laughs> how all that stuff relates to it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. So I'll try and kind of like give you the short version of like, like my life in three minutes and we'll see how this goes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think from a, like really, really early on, I became super interested in the human mind psychology, why people did the things that they do. Um, 
like how they process information and put things together. And a lot of that was just born out of like not understanding some of the sort of early sort of emotional trauma and different things that I had um, experienced. And so it was kind of born out of actually a place of pain. Um, but it really led me on this quest to try and understand the human psyche, um, got me a lot into understanding uh, psychological development, human performance. And when I was still in high school, it was right before I graduated, I got my uh, personal training certification. It's, it's not current anymore, <laughs> but um, I, uh, I got that and then went right into, after like high school, right into working in, uh, you know, like gyms, typical gyms and stuff, uh, kind of working with the general public, doing personal training. At the same time, I was at the U University of Colorado and also was interning with the speed, strength, and conditioning staff there, working primarily with the football team. And I figured out very early on that I didn't like pushing a limp noodle, i.e. most of the people in the general public that like talk about what they want. And I really want to do this and I want to accomplish this. And it's like almost predictable, like the, the attrition is just, it's, it's amazing, right? Because they would say they want stuff, but then the excuses would pop up. Whereas when I was working with the athletes, they came to play, right? Yeah. Like we had yeah. batteries included praise the lord and so it was just such a different animal so to speak like working with um athletes and you know i also kind of figured out around the same time i also had a gift for working with um dogs and psychological principles are the same regardless of species the application is a little bit different and i built up a couple of businesses like a, a behavior center we did dog daycare and boarding, specializing in pack work, um, and then a company for dog training, behavior rehabilitation. <clears throat> when I got things really up to speed and everything was rolling, was able to get some management put in place and return to my first love, which is really human performance and coaching and helping people really, really kick things up a notch. Um, that's the thing that I really, really love to do. And the reason that I work primarily, at least in the coaching sense, with athletic professionals and entrepreneurs and business owners especially is because I'm one of those people. I'm an entrepreneur, you know, I've built multiple companies, um, and I'm a competitive athlete. And so I just tend to gel really well with those people. So um, I hope I did a good job there. I think it was probably longer than three minutes, but I tried. <laughs> no, no, that was really well, really well said. Um, and I like how you said, you know, because of your background as an athlete, you can really relate and have that understanding for athletes and that competitive edge that they have. Because, like, I, I was also an athlete as well. And, you know, unfortunately, I didn't take my sports and all that as far as I could, because I feel like to get to that next level, like you said, you need you need the right coaching, you need the right team. Um, and there's only f so far that you can go individually. And yeah, you can take it, you know, as far as you can. But I was in a stage where I was in high school and all that. And I was, I was very competitive with sports. Like I use that as like my crutch to get me through high school because I didn't have a good time in high school, but I use the pain. Like you're saying, use your, you gotta, sometimes you got to use your pain and previous trauma to uh, create a catalyst for change. Um, you know, anyone that's performed at a really high level, they've, they've had, you know, a lot of pain in certain areas of their life that they weren't so good at. And then they, and then that helped them discover what they were really good at. So sports for me were like, you know, 
the constant training, the constant, um, you know, learning meal prep, learning nutrition, learning, you know, how to train properly and how to recover, you know, properly. I, I was just, I've been obsessed about that kind of stuff since day one. Um, and I played, uh, I got to Metro level soccer or, you know, rep level or Metro level soccer, but nothing after that, just cause I just didn't have, like I said, the right coaching and the right mentorship and stuff like that. But it was soccer, lacrosse, boxing, and basketball. But my true love was was basketball. I loved basketball. If if I had a little bit more, um, like mentorship or good good better coaches, I probably would have taken it like way farther to at least the college level. But I just sure. didn't have that, um, unfortunately. But oh, but, but yeah. and I love. Can I comment on something you said? Oh yeah, sure. Because it like it got me all pumped when when you were talking about you know again the like using your first of all your <laughs> you've done way more sports than I ever had so I was like getting a little intimidated <laughs> which is why I jumped in there um, but that's huge man and like that stuff is really really physical and it takes a certain capacity to be able to function especially across different disciplines like that it's not like you were just able to kind of skate by and like one of those disciplines you were able to do multiple and when you said the piece about you know using your pain and, and trauma there's and I'm bringing this up because uh, I think this was, yeah, this was last night. So my wife and I watched uh, this movie called The Dawn Wall, and it's about um, Tommy Caldwell's climb of El Capitan. And it, what it illustrates perfectly, I think, is this idea of like traumatic events and uh, events that push us way further beyond our limits than we ever wanted to go are often the very things that actually activate us, right? Right. And like truly like they flip a switch. And if it weren't for that immense pain, that trauma, right, that switch would never be flipped that, you know, gives you certain things like an indomitable will or whatever. It's, it's all about the what, not just what the trauma quote does to us, but what we do with the trauma. And it's really interesting right. watching that movie because watching Tommy pull off this incredible athletic feat the backstory that they go into in the movie is fascinating because if it wasn't for some really devastating and like highly traumatic situations that he endured it, he, if he hadn't been activated by those events, he never would have taken his life and accomplishments to the level that, um, that he did and that people are going to remember him for. So I just want to throw that in there. It's a little movie shout out. It's called the Dawn wall. The Dawn Wall, I'll have to check it out. Yeah, I'm super into especially like like climbers and stuff like that too because that takes a very different kind of mindset too because they consider, you know, that's considered a sport too, like climbing or free climbing. And like those kinds of people, I'm just like, holy smokes. Like that's a whole nother level of sport <laughs> and fitness because it's it's like for those that are the adrenaline seekers, that like the surfers, the climbers, the skiers, right, where they're like, oh, I want to take the highest slope at the steepest curves, right? All that kind of stuff. That's, that's a whole nother level, uh, you know, um, type of athlete, but, uh, I have tremendous respect for, you know, for those kind of athletes as well. Cause I know for myself, I, I wouldn't be able to do those things just cause it's not my cup of tea being always on the verge of, you know, really high risk to reward ratio. <laughs> yeah. 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 But incredible. But, uh, one thing, another thing I want to mention there was, uh, how, you know, by working with humans and dogs, how you said a lot of the, you know, the psyche principles are, are very similar. 
with your background as a certified dog trainer, what do you find are the similarities between how people learn and how dogs learn to make change? Like when you're, you know, coaching and teaching. Uh, that's a great question. I mean, there's so many parallels, so I'll just kind of go with some of the first things that come to mind off of that. Uh, for one thing, and this is interesting to me, endlessly fascinating, the fact that dogs are far easier to rehabilitate from a behavioral perspective because they're much simpler and more honest. So you don't have to like cut through the fog of ego and BS and like all the stupid things that like we can get ourselves into as human beings that can really trip us up and complicate the issue. And we're, we're saying it's, you know, here's the issue, but you know, it's, it's not really, it's, it's there to cover something else up. And so being able to sift through those layers, I think with human beings is a lot more complex actually having worked on both sides and for people that don't understand why the heck their dogs do what they do at all uh they might be like that just makes no sense to me dogs dogs are weird but i'm like dogs are actually pretty much an open book if you kind of know what you're looking at it's fairly simple to kind of walk in see what's happening what's creating and contributing to whatever the challenges that the people you know were were calling in to quote unquote fix with their dog um it's pretty apparent because dogs are very straightforward and they don't tend to be particularly complex like once in a great 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 while you'll have a dog that plays things really close to the vest you know so to speak and it's difficult to assert or it takes a lot longer to understand the different layers and like what's going on. But that's unbelievably rare. And with people, it's quite the opposite. I feel like we find it very refreshing when somebody's very authentic and just who they are and they just kind of say what they think and we know what to expect from them. And that's almost yeah. the exception, not the rule. So that's that's an interesting little dichotomy when it comes to comparing dogs and people. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I, and I like how you said, you know, um, and I noticed it too, like most people are, are very unpredictable. There's not a, uh, there's not kind of a, um, a way to tell if a person's like, if there's going to be any kind of consistency with their behavior versus some people like, you know, like myself, like I'm very predictable in the way I, like there's 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 not many times where like emotionally like I'll just there'll be a huge swing in like how I you know talk to people and how I interact with them. The only way that would happen is if like I you know went through a traumatic event or something like that, and I'm trying to uh, wrap my head around how to get past it. And then occasionally those emotions might seep through when I'm talking to people. But as far as like a consistency standpoint of like keeping my emotions intact, they stay they stay pretty consistent in a a large part of that when coming back to the peak performance component is uh, my daily meditation practice. Um, I've never felt so in charge and in control of my emotions ever since I started meditating. And I actually started meditating just as I was leaving banking um, because I noticed that I was just, you know, having that awareness of your personality and what, what makes you tick is I feel is really important. And when I was leaving banking, I, I just noticed I was going into my days a little bit more reactive than normal. And I was like, okay, I need to make some changes for this. Like, what can I do to make changes? So I started doing a lot of research, listening to people's podcasts and stuff. And then Tim Ferriss was talking about the Headspace app. And he was talking about it either in his YouTube video or in one of his podcast episodes. And I was like, okay, well, I've never meditated before, but I'll I'll give it a shot. 
because I'm a, I'm a completely open book when it comes to improving, you know, my lifestyle, my performance, my mindset. If 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 I think that something might might work for me, I'm I'm totally open to trying it. So I feel like that openness, um, it, it, like it's it's like kind of showing like a, a little bit of emotional maturity. And then, like you said, the the largest barrier for people to make any kind of improvements or change is their ego. So if you have the ability, and this is for all of our listeners to listen to as well, if we have the ability to set aside our ego, you know, especially for males, (laughs) um, (laughs) you you can, it may, it it helps make the learning process and making change much more efficient. So, and and that's really cool, man. I mean, what you're talking about, because it's, uh, I just want to draw attention to the fact that that's actually very rare for people to truly be open and especially if something's popping up to kind of turn the lens inward and start to go like where can I grow what adjustments do I need to make and we're seeing a lot of this today just even in society like the lens turning outward it's like other people's fault um it's those people it's like the opportunity I didn't have it's the this it's the that it's what that person said that triggered me or whatever and I'm like well it's it's triggering something in you so like maybe if we understood more about the cause and like the underlying, like the root of the issue instead of all the different triggers around it, because like triggers get created because um, something gets associated with rightly or wrongly to the cause of the issue, right? But then we just keep going down this road of like getting quote triggered by this and that and like things people say or things other people do out there versus not understanding and having the self-awareness and kind of shining that light inward to see where where do I need to actually do some inner work and where do I need to get potentially some coaching in some areas where I know there needs to be work done, but I'm not necessarily a master in that space. And so I want to... Yeah get on the process and the path to mastery. So I just have to give like a huge kudos because honestly, that's, it's a very rare thing. And the other part that I wanted to throw out there real quick, uh, Alex, is to say, speak for yourself, dude. Like I'm a dude and I don't have an ego at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding, no, for sure. kidding. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just had to say it because, because the, uh, like when you, when I listen to like a lot, a lot of these life coaches or performance coaches, like, you know, people like Tony Robbins and, and all these other people. And like, they say that they say a big barrier to making change is our, is our own personal ego. And, you know, like, like the story that we tell ourselves, right? Like, um, you know, yeah, we might have triggers, we might have challenges and stuff like that. And they do play a role f- for sure. And, you know, um, either, uh, ha- like hampering, like how quickly we can change, but but a lot of times it's just in our head and, you know, we, we can make that personal change. It just takes a little bit, a little bit of time, a little bit of uh, finessing. And, and especially with this pandemic going on right now, um, you know, I had two months off work. Um, I got laid off uh, March 19th and I was off till May 19th. And at first it's been a, a bit of an adjustment. Like, okay, you know, I need to stay busy with my time. Like, what, what am I going to do? And then I'm like, okay. I'll double down with the podcast interviews. I'll try and book as many as possible to keep me just overloaded. And then I just want to continue to do courses, right? And listen to other podcasts and see what kind of um, success principles or tools I can, I can use to help get me through this, uh, you know, this short-term phase off work. And that's all I did. Double down on the podcast and just double down on the learning. And that helped me just stay in a much better headspace, even though I know, you know, a lot of things were shutting down at that point. That's where things were really uh, 
speeding up for like closures, like a lot of stores were shutting down. Um, you know, like people are no, you got to stay inside. So that was definitely, you know, an, a challenge and an adjustment to make, but it's today, I feel like it's all about being adaptable and, and adaptability, right. And pivoting if you need to. Yeah. You got, you got to make the change at some point. And when you were talking earlier about even the, the piece of, um, seeing things and addressing them, uh, you know, there, I want to tie it back into the original question you asked me about like the swimming thing, because for me, I had, you know, like this phobia of like not being around water or something. It was just like, if my head was in water, like that was a huge stinking problem. Right. And I, this is something that I tolerated in my life for way too long. Like this is exactly where, um, the, (laughs) like, um, It's something that I would not have tolerated in one of my clients, but I tolerated myself for too long and I'm not super pumped about that at all. Uh, And for me, you know, when we were talking about rock climbing, like for instance, when I found out like, oh my gosh, I'm kind of afraid of heights. My solution to that was, hey, I'll, I'll actually, I'll do rock climbing because that's like the opposite, you know, and like indoor rock climbing and stuff. So it wasn't the crazy, uh, you know, some of the outdoor feats that people do. But I was like, no, we're going to like get after this. But that was a fear. The water thing was more of a phobia. And I just got super sick and tired of um, having something in my life, any type of a fear holding me back or dictating what I would or would not do or different kind of directing some of my choices. And I had a belly full of it. And I was like, I'm going to take up swimming. Like, we're going to get this taken care of. Screw it. And the interesting thing about that, that was such a heck of a process for me to get there. And I'm not necessarily saying that, like, if people have, like, a legit phobia, it's not necessarily the best idea to tackle that on your own. Um, I had some background in the psychology end, so I was able to, (laughs) like, make it through that. However, um, like phobias are kind of like a different, a different animal. And so a lot of times people really need to get like seek support from somebody who knows how to help them uh, navigate those waters, so to speak. But I just decided like, I'm going for this thing that was a process over years. But what's interesting is coming out the other side of that, I recognized how much, and I've seen this in other parts of my life too, our greatest passions and our greatest joys in life are often on the other side of our fears. Like that's just a fact. And we fight so hard to stay within what's comfortable and what we feel we can control, especially going through like all the COVID stuff, you know, like the people that have a lot of anxiety are the people that have the most need for control. Like I, right. Not a scientific study that I'm aware of on that, but I can absolutely guarantee anecdotally it's anxiety is in direct proportion to how much control somebody perceives they need to have over things. Right. And um, so it's just kind of an interesting thing to think about at this point. But I, I, you know, with the swimming thing, it was such a joy to like bust out of that comfort zone and go through that gateway of fear and to go through that sort of like crucible if you will but on the other side now i have something that i love i mean i love competing like the biggest disappointment i had this year one of them i shouldn't say the biggest one of them was the fact that both of the national championships were canceled (laughs) yeah yeah so anywho yeah 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. The COVID's definitely, uh, made, you know, made things a little bit more different and unique. But, uh, but hey, like everyone, everyone still wants to get. You know, if you want to get to that next level, you just gotta roll, roll with it, and uh, and keep learning and keep adapting, right? Hundred percent, dude. Hundred percent. Adaptation, adaptation is everything right resilience mm-hmm. adaptation uh again survival is not mandatory so personal evolution isn't either and i think that it's you know we we all are going to go through things what's interesting right now is we're kind of like going through something across the globe which is very mm-hmm. interesting very different individual situations but overall kind of like <laughs> the the main issue is is uh, that's affecting all of us and so it's it's interesting to see the responses of different people um, to times of crisis because it really does one of the greatest benefits of crisis is how much it reveals to us how much we have grown or we have not grown and like right. it's not fun at all but it's um it's freaking true and it's the things that i do really appreciate because you know you can hate everything about a a crisis time or you can find some things to appreciate about it like what can i get out of this one of my Mm -hmm. big things lately has been you know if an adversity comes into your life like for me i'm gonna make it pay for being there like it's coming in rent free at all and i'm gonna get the most that i possibly can out of it um so Anyway, for what it's worth, I think really examining the benefits that can come out of that, what a crisis reveals to you about where you're truly at, it's very similar to um, in the business world, if you're looking at some common metrics and like, well, where's our where's our cash flow at right now? <laughs> like that will tell you a lot about certain aspects of the health of your business. Like that's the scoreboard, if you will, in sports, you have an actual literal scoreboard, um, you know, in swimming or something like, you know, what I do where you've got, or if, you know, if somebody's a triathlete, you've got a clock to measure against. And what's interesting is a lot of people that are quote recreational in their uh, exercise uh, routines and stuff, nothing wrong with it, but a lot of them when I talk to, like they don't necessarily want to go do something like compete, put themselves in a position like that. Almost inevitably, I'm hearing something about like, I don't know, I, you know, I just feel like, you know, I'm not in good enough shape right now. And what it boils down to when I really dig in even further is they're scared what, of what the clock is going to tell them about where they're at. Uh... I would propose for anybody who truly wants to grow and evolve and an upward evolutional kind of spiral, if you will, you've, you've got to be willing to put yourself through the discomfort of checking the scoreboard and looking where you're at at regular intervals, not to beat up on yourself, but to not delude your, you know, yourself into thinking like you're doing better than you are. Cause for me, I know I've had times in my life where I, I, I've said, I feel like I'm doing great, you know, and I do, I feel like things are moving right ahead. And then I have a moment of truth where I'm kind of like, it's, it's like just sort of a naked moment where you've, 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 you know, all the lights come up and all of a sudden you're on the spot and you have to perform or you look at your numbers as a business or you look at the scoreboard and you realize, holy cow, like I just got the crap kicked out of me and I didn't even know it. And the problem is 
you can be so far off track at that point if you haven't been looking at your metrics recently or your personal performance data, whoever, however you track it. Mm -hmm. So for, far off course, it takes a lot longer to get back than the people who measure at regular intervals, if that makes right. sense. No, I, I completely hear you on that one. Um, this, yeah, the second that people start uh, having that self-awareness of their own metrics, let that could be like I'm really big into bodybuilding outside of work. I really like to really like to train, and that was kind of my transition from team sports to individual sport with bodybuilding. That happened when I was about 17. I just I'm like, you know what, I'm done with sports, but I always want to compete you know, and especially against myself and bodybuilding was like a godsend for that. And mm. who anyone, for anyone that's listening, it's basically like you're, you're building up your body. Right. And my mindset behind it was if I can build up my own body, it'll help create, um, for me, it did create the internal and the external confidence. Um, because like I saw the way like my body transformed over a long period of time and bodybuilding is one of those things where it can be, you can see, you, you might be able to see some results in the short term, but if you keep keep at it for the long term, like you will make some incredible changes in your physique. And uh, and it was one of that's why I've you know I, I appreciate to this day like team sports and all that, but at the same time I also appreciate it where you know like boxers and MMA fighters and bodybuilders because it's more of an individual sport and that you're competing against yourself, and that can also show you. When you're when you're doing an individual sport, like how how far you've come as well, and how much you've grown, and kind of some areas where you need to work on. So mm. it's like that continue continuous refinement process, which I really like behind uh, bodybuilding, which Body can also apply to a lot of uh, areas of in business and and your life. No, you're absolutely right. I love bodybuilding, man. <laughs> I do. Um, yeah. I just I remember falling kind of early on. Um, you know, the, the bodybuilding scene when I was, when I was younger and, um, really enjoyed that and love watching films like, uh, pumping iron. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> great, 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 uh, documentary oh, there. Like, so it's good. phenomenal. And it like <laughs> su such magnificent psychological warfare, like, oh, like yeah. <laughs> watch that documentary, um, uh, about the, you know, the, um, Mr. Olympia and, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger and especially his sort of like a subtle not so subtle feud with uh lou ferrigno yeah, yeah oh my god it's just a magnificent thing and you know <laughs> you you brought it up a couple times and i love it because um this is what so much comes down to is that have the consistency habit yeah. yeah consistency consistency and you know when people start looking for quote the secret or they're looking for some kind of like a special you know elixir tactic. yeah an elixir for me whenever i do that i immediately something goes off in my head and i get really worried because i'm like hold on if i'm looking for a secret i'm in big trouble right because it's yeah it's not. like when you talk to people um that are in the upper echelons that are the best at what they do what it kind of boils down to when you get past the glamour of this, any of the sexiness of right, how it appears on the surface, it really boils down to unbelievably um, monotonous 
day-to-day-to-day-to-day-to-day consistency of things that are not at all sexy, that are not at all fun. And it's kind of tedious, but it's done over and over and over. And I wish, (laughs) I wish more people focused on being relentlessly consistent than Mm -hmm. trying to pack more information in their brains. It's like you have probably access to plenty of information. Um, You could just pin down some consistent rituals and be relentlessly consistent. You would, you would absolutely like skyrocket past people. Like I am not for sure the most, like if you saw me and then you looked at like, you know, an actual like world-class swimmer or something. I don't exactly have the body <laughs> of like, I'm five, nine. I don't have these crazy long arms and these big old ginormous size, 16 feet. And like, what yeah, yeah, yeah. Of the world have. I just don't like, that's not my thing. And I actually, where some people would consider that to be a disadvantage i'm like i think it's a greatest great advantage because i'm not endowed with so much talent it has given me the opportunity to step into being a workhorse and yeah and grinding it out and like more consistent than like anybody else that i really know that you know like even from like the teams i'm on and stuff like that like great people and some of them don't need to be as consistent as me frankly because they're more talented right yeah but i can freaking show up i sure as crap can do that and like that's the kind of thing that sometimes when people are searching for answers they hear something like that and they dismiss it because they go i already know about that but it's like well why don't you just freaking do it because it's yeah, yeah. the thing yeah yeah and um that's you made a really good point there because like you you know like you you um you had the phobia for swimming and then you didn't compete until like age 30 right to conquer that fear and you know it doesn't it doesn't matter like everyone like reaches their they want to conquer their fears at different times right but especially if you have any fascination or obsession with performing at a at a high level you're going to want to challenge yourself like that and and um, my thing right now that I'm obsessed with is is uh, golf. I wanna I wanna crush my friend at golf because he constantly talks about how good he is, but he doesn't. He, <laughs> he and he is good. He's very good, but he he doesn't practice enough. So so I I told my friend. My friend's like a really good. I have another friend that's a really good golfer, but he has but he's not he's not egotistical about it. So I told him I said you know what. I don't care like how far I have to go or how, how much I have to train. I need to beat my friend and just to rub it in his face that the second you take a day off and you're lazy, I will eat your lunch. And, <laughs> and I told him, he's like, he's like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. He's like, Where, where's this animosity coming from Alex? I'm like, it's not animosity. It's just, I want to put people in their place that they, if they say that they are really good at something, I, I want to challenge them. And like, I know I'm not, you know, I'm not at that level yet, but I know if I keep going and I keep practicing, I will be able to beat him in a game. And, and like that's that's that that uh, that's that com- where that competitive comes from for me is like anyone that says they're they're good or they have to say it all the time like I like to challenge those people on a regular basis <laughs> because because it's it's important right because even if you fail like like Michael Jordan used to say he's like I've missed over six thousand shots in my career and that's why I've succeeded and because I, I I always had the faith that I would make the shot so. That's what the game of golf teaches you is it's, it's, it's very unforgiving. 
It's like because you, it's like it's yeah. It's pretty much you either make the shot or you or you fail the shot every time. And you know, the more that you practice and fine tune things and stuff, you're going to get more consistency over time. So what the game of golf has taught me is like, you know, find ways to make your shot more consistent. Right. Some days you got to work on right like uh, today after the after our call. Um, after this interview later today, I'm going to work on my, the, the hip motion that, that transfer of force from your, uh, cause it, cause it actually, your golf swing actually starts from like the, the ground up, right. From your calves and stuff. And to get that, that, uh, transfer of force, you have to, to uh, it's, it's the complete rotation of the torso towards where you want to aim your shot. Cause if you don't do that, then you're going to slice it or you're going to, uh, uh, hook it depending on how you, how, how your shot is. But. Yeah. The beauty behind the game is you like you 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 uh you can be you you can think you're really good, but then the next day that you go and golf, you're like, oh Jesus, I got to work on this. I got to change my footing. I got to. <laughs> so it's like it's it's very it's very good because it really keeps your ego in check. So yeah. you can because no one can say in golf that they've mastered the game of golf because you constantly have to work on it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's so good for that. I love it, dude. And, and yeah, one thing that I one thing that I like to say is that you don't, you don't get to dictate the terms of transformation. Yeah. Right? yeah. And we're talking about transformation, not just sort of like my, like mild changes here and there, but if you're looking to actually transform something, even like a golf swing, right? Like you don't get to dictate the terms of that. And that's where a lot of us get tripped up. I can mm-hmm. at least speak for myself where it's like, it's like, Hey, I want to attain such and such, but I don't want to have to do A, B, or C. And it's like, well, you need to do A, B, and C, right? So what happens mm-hmm. is people have to reach a point where they will no longer tolerate, like how I was tolerating, you know, allowing fear to dictate things to me in the case of like the water thing, which was really uncharacteristic of who I am. But in that case, that was sort of like a clincher. You know, that was one that I hadn't tackled. And, you know, it just, you've got to, get to a point where you're not going to tolerate that anymore and you recognize if i want to transform like the transformation is more important than my personal misgivings about any of the particular steps that i don't feel like are going to be very fun (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah no that's that's yeah that's really good because like and and i'm again i'm reading here on your on your site like talking about like how you didn't start to swing till age 30, but also you spent five years grinding to qual to be qual in order to qualify for the four events. And a lot of times, like if you're someone that doesn't have the genetics or the talent or anything like that, it doesn't matter. What matters is like you said, is like that we work extremely hard to put us in a position to succeed. It doesn't mean we're going to succeed, but we want, we want to be in the best position. That's what elite performers do is they, the constant preparation and, practice and training to put yourself in the best position to win and that's what i find so so fascinating especially with athletes because that can and does transfer to any any other areas of your life your our relationships are are you know our professional networks are um you know our, our business our careers like it, it's all it can all be intertwined those yeah. same principles can can apply yeah preparation and sometimes people don't um <clears throat> sometimes people aren't well let me tell a story um and i'll just go with it because it came to mind so i'm gonna have faith that this will work out i remember like the morning that i uh like 
9-11, right? I remember that morning and like waking up and kind of how I found out it was like on my alarm clock and stuff. And uh, so I kind of woke up to that. And I'm like, what is happening? And I'm still a little groggy. And I kind of went out. Um, I was at my parents' house still at that time, right? And I like walk out and, you know, like they've got the news on and stuff. And I was like, huh. And I think I watched about five minutes of that. And I was like, all right, I'm out of here. And I just went down to the track to like, and I was like, I'm going to do my running workout. And I think somebody asked me about it later and like, hold on, like, aren't you going to like actually pay attention to what's going on? Like, whatever. I'm like, I, I kind of know what's going on. I'm not sure what good me sitting there, like watching this devastation happen on TV is actually going to do me. Like, I want to be prepared. Like, that's why I go out. That's why I train my body. That's why I train my mind to be prepared. Because at the time I was like, I don't know what's going to happen. Right. Like yeah. if, if there's a draft or something, I don't want to be the schlep rock who's out of shape or let himself yeah. slide. Um, mm -hmm. It's all about being ready. And, so, and a lot of times it's if your mind and your body and your spirit and your soul, if those things are fine tuned and you're constantly training, when opportunities come along, you have access to more of those opportunities. And so like, I really mm -hmm. don't like people complaining about, you know, their lack of opportunities. I'm like, you're not even freaking prepared, right? Yeah. Like you're yeah. sloppy, like your mind is sloppy. You're, you're not disciplined in that. And so how on earth would you take advantage of an opportunity if it came along? Right. So right. Uh, I think that's, when you brought up the preparation, I love that. And this is part of why we even talked about this before we got on here. We're kindred spirits and we think very similar about a lot, yeah. of, a lot of these principles because we know that it's not so much the new technique or the, the new thing that's out there. It comes back to these core fundamental principles. And do we have these things dialed in on our lives or... Mm -hmm don't we? And if we don't, that's fine. As long as we are pursuing it, as long as we're making progress, as long as we have a process and a plan, as long as we are reaching out to people who are more accomplished in those areas to help give us some guidance and mentorship and coaching. One of the toughest things for type A people and some of the business owners out there, the entrepreneurs and like the, the athletes, the type of people I work with, they're so type A and so take responsibility and get it done that sometimes yeah. they're the last people that actually ask for help. <laughs> and, yeah, you know. and I'm like, it's not, you know, ask, ask, like ask for, ask for the help, right? Yeah. Because you can have short-term pride or long-term pride. Short-term pride is characterized by, I don't want to ask for help because I don't want to look weak. Long-term pride is characterized by, I don't mind losing like short-term pride and giving that up and looking stupid because long-term mm -hmm. I'm going to create that transformation and see my vision materialize. And so I'm willing to look short-term stupid to look long-term brilliant. Yep. Yep. And, and coming back to, uh, yeah, you, you finishing that with, um, ending that with vision. So vision, that's where I feel like that's like my really strong suit. Um, when, when me and my girlfriend talk, it's, it's hilarious. It's like, she is, she is excellent with the fine details of things. That's where I'm kind of like, mm, you know, like I, I, <laughs> de details are great, but I, all I see is the big picture, like where I want to go. I see 
where I want to take my brand. I see the people, the people I want to encounter and chat with and to help, you know, lift, lift not only my spirit, but my listener spirits. Um, I, I just see it. I, I see it. It's right. It's clear as day. It's right there. I constantly envision it. And a lot of, I feel like that that's really a similar trait in a lot of athletes is they, they have, they know how to, uh, keep that vision intact and they know, and they, and they know how to release it and, and, uh, have it available at like moments notice to keep them focused on the present and, and about, you know, either the playoffs or the game at hand or the, the championship game. That's how guys like Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan, um, like Michael Jordan used to say, he's like, Oh, he's like, my mind's always here. You know, like even, even with, even with his dad passing away and stuff, he's like, so, you know what? I know my dad would be proud because, you know, I'm, I'm so here and then I'm, I'm so in the here and the now and I'm in the present and it's like, there's a time to envision the future and envision where you want to go and, you know, and, 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 and even a time to kind of reflect on some of the, you know, past occurrences that could have gone any which way. But then there's a time when you're in the moment to, to stay within those moments as much as you mm-hmm. can to, to maximize your performance. Yeah, dude. That's that's so great, and I see this is this is crazy. <laughs> it's like you're, I, <laughs> I I feel like you're my doppelganger at times. Uh, yeah, it's so it's so great because when people, a lot of folks get tripped up, especially when they're not. So me doing you know peak performance coaching, that's really helping people master their psychology, which is fundamentally important to accomplishing really Mm -hmm. anything or accomplishing at a high level. And um, again, getting that to a really powerful space, one of the principles of that is training your brain so that when you need to be in a thinking reflective space, you're in a thinking or reflecting space. When you're in a doing space, you know how to engage that part of your brain to take your conscious mind kind of like out of it, Mm -hmm. right? To flip that off so that you can subconsciously come in and like flow with the situation and actually trust that your training and your preparation is going to play out in front of you. And if more, if, if the more that people understand how to toggle between those things effectively and when to employ one or the other, because it's not like one is bad. It's not like, no, you should always be in the moment. It's like, really? Yeah. 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 Because <laughs> you're, you know, I know some people that are always in the moment and they are a freaking yeah. mess. Man. And <laughs> I know people that are like never in the moment. And like, that's a huge thing for them. I also know people who are in the moment and not in the moment, depending at various times, but they're not synced up mm-hmm. the right way. And so it's not empowering their performance or their uh, perform, you know, whether it's again in business, maybe them as parents, uh, as artists, as whatever. And so it's knowing that all these various aspects of our psyche are unbelievably powerful and important where we get really screwed up is when they are firing off at the wrong times. And I, I kind of liken it to, especially this gets into a little bit of what you mentioned with meditation. If you've got too many things firing off at once, it becomes kind of like a computer with too many windows open and it just bogs down mm-hmm. the operating system. And that's where something like effective meditation really comes into play is kind of like that nice 
strong but soft at the same time reset mm-hmm. to get things aligned again so that when you come out of something like a meditation, you've got a different perspective. I mean, it's definitely going to alter your brain chemistry. It's going to change the way that you think about and approach all the ensuing interactions throughout your day. Uh, so I love that you talk about it. I know that, you know, you're big on mindfulness and, um, you know, just kind of in listening to your, your podcast and I've really enjoyed it. I love that you're talking about that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Because especially, uh, during this pandemic, um, there's been a lot and, and I'm, and I'm like yourself, like I don't watch the news. I try and avoid it like the plague, not that I'm trying to be ignorant, but I'm trying to, like you said, prepare. Like I, I'm in no way, shape or form doing any service to anyone. If I'm t- just constantly looking at the negative, like, like a lot of us do. Right. And you know, the negative thoughts and all that are still there, but they're much less loud in my, in my head when I'm able to focus on preparing and training myself to me. Cause like, like I, I actually, when I was in the bank, I had a really interesting conversation with a, uh, a man, he was like a really high position in the the uh, national security for for in Canada or something like that, or or the sorry, yeah, Nat, Department of National Defense. That's right, yeah. So I had a conversation, a really good conversation with him about that, and I told him, I said, you know, even though I'm obsessed with finance, and I and I, at the time I loved banking and finance and stuff and helping people with their finances, I told him, I said, if I ever had to, if Canada was ever at war. And I had to all of a sudden, you know, put on, you know, get, get all suited up and go to war. I would do it because I'm very patriotic as a Canadian. And, and I feel like, you know, our, our nation has a lot to offer and there's tremendous opportunity here. we live in a great nation. Um, but at the same time, you know, if, if I had to, you know, get on my boots and, and go to war, I would do it if I had to um, in a second, because I believe that, um, I definitely believe that I, I can serve. There's a, anyone can serve a higher purpose than themselves. And sometimes it might not necessarily be business or, or being a professional athlete, but you know, whenever that opportunity arises or presents itself, I know I'll be prepared I know I'll be ready. Um, I don't know when it'll be, but I know I'll be prepared because that's what I, that's what I train for every day. Like you're saying, it's the small stuff, the daily meditation, listening to, you know, audiobooks, podcasts, reading, however we, however, uh, whatever learning style works for you, will put you in a really good position to, to succeed and be, and, uh, and be ready and willing to tackle those opportunities. Yep. Yeah. It's like, it's like find out what feeds your soul and yep. what kind of depletes, depletes your soul. And, um, it's cause it's, it's interesting. I actually, <laughs> With the news thing, um, I actually find politics endlessly fascinating. So I can actually watch the news about politics, and yeah, like yeah. it's it's like great, it's great fun for me because I can just kind of like check out and enjoy that. However, there are certain like um, things like when the nine eleven thing happened, right? I was like, this is just freaking dis- depressing. Like, I'm not going to sit here and just like keep watching this. Like the, when all the news cycles were about only COVID, I started to notice that my energy was, was draining. Right. Yeah. And, like I, like yeah. I can't afford something like that. And so I had to mm-hmm. completely like 
quote, pivot at that point. And it really is an art form finding out what really feeds your soul and not only knowing it. So knowing it is obviously one thing, right? Like there's certain, you know, I'll have like a list of videos that I can just pull up on YouTube or something that really inspire me. Um, and a lot of that is something like watching people in the Olympics or whatever, just because like that's that spirit of competition and throwing, like putting everything you have out there and then even giving more than you thought you possibly could. Like that kind of stuff inspires me. It gets me going. Uh, mm -hmm. The podcasts you listen to, making sure it's, you know, there's a lot of positivity to it, that it's uplifting. If it's spiritual messages, like finding out where you really get fed is mm -hmm. so unbelievably important. And then the second part is not quite as simple. The second part is ritualizing all of those things to make sure that, Nope. There's like a set time and a set to place. And like, this is a part of who you are. It's what you do every day. And you're getting these inputs and these downloads and you're not just intellectually aware of the things that light your fire and kind of like liberate the, the hero that you have within you. You're actively going out and you're installing those inputs day after day after day, no matter what is going on around you so that you're prepared so that you're ready um, because you don't want to like we might be able to lie to our you know other people and say hey you know i just you know this thing popped up but i wasn't ready for it but in the corner of our soul we know like no i was being a dingbat and <laughs> i wasn't preparing the way that i could have and i'm just kind of i'm being a turd face about this if i'm honest right like it's it's the when we tell ourselves something that's a half truth or whatever <laughs> it becomes harder and harder to look in the mirror and it's interesting because one of the things about performance regardless of what somebody's venue is sleep is tremendously important absolutely mm. essential to have amazing sleep and i can tell you one thing when i started looking more granularly at my sleep cycles and how much I was waking up every night, how much I was in REM sleep, how much time I was spending in deep sleep versus like light sleep and all those different things. And when I was actually measuring that out, I noticed a very interesting pattern. And that was when I went to bed knowing that I could do everything that I possibly could. And I was proud of how I walked through that day. Totally different sleeping patterns but when you're not being authentic to yourself when um you're not giving the best of yourself when you're not giving everything you can and and absolutely engaging with something that's a bigger that's bigger than you are like you were talking about before right mm -hmm. believing in something and fighting for a bigger cause than just you right like if you're not doing those things it starts to wear and tear on you and the the closer you're looking at again that sort of like personal performance data that i talk about the more you can start to spot patterns and if you're self-aware enough you'll be able to draw some connections and be like you know what like i'm full of it right now and i haven't been sleeping well because i've been lying to myself saying that i'm doing what i need to when i'm really not or maybe it's that you're trying to do the best you can, but you've got people in your lives that are telling you um, to pull back or something, right? Mm -hmm. um, I said something to my wife the other night because she had something bring, br somebody bring something up to her, tell her to kind of like slow down and whatever. And 
I told her, babe, never let people who are doing too little tell you that you're doing too much. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I said it, I was like, I don't think it was really me that said that. So I'm going to go write that down. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But it's so true, right? Like that's part of the environmental responsibility. We have personal environments of surrounding ourselves with the right kind of people. And even the people that we really dearly love, whether it's really close friends or family, guarding our hearts and minds by making sure the ratio of time we spend with people is appropriate, i.e. folks that uplift, that challenge, that make you uncomfortable uncomfortable in the sense that they pull you along and make you want to become more than you are, that's where the vast majority of your time has got to be spent. And that doesn't mean you can't be around people that don't necessarily like uplift you because sometimes you have, you know, things like family members or <laughs> you're right, like friends and people that you really do value and love. But if you're spending the majority of your time around people that do things like complain and make excuses, it doesn't take a crystal ball to figure out where you're, where you're going to end up. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. You got to be really, conscious and aware of the time spent with people and to make sure that their vision's in line with yours because if it's in a a misalignment you need to make that change yep yeah but yeah that's uh, that's all the time we got today there brian and uh really enjoyed having you on the podcast today got some awesome information and i'm sure our listeners enjoyed it as well and uh especially during this pandemic it's it's a lot of uh, a a lot of um mindset shifting and pivoting to uh you know to to stay to stay competitive and to and to stay focused and consistent towards our goals and our aspirations so really really appreciated you sharing your uh your experience and your background with us and uh definitely want to have you on for another episode in the near future here yeah i'd love to man and um I put together a series on thriving through a crisis when this whole pandemic thing kind of started. And um, I think that material is really valuable for people if they, if they want to get their hands on that, it's like a video training. It's free. Um, Just hop on my website, join my email list. And there's, it's, there's an invite to the Bergford performance app. And um, that's one of the modules that's in there. And it's got some additional material that I think is going to add a ton of value to people. So um, anyway, thanks for having me on, Alex. I'd love to come back on with you, brother. And uh, thanks for doing what you're doing. Awesome. Thanks again for your time, Brian. You take care. You too. All right. Bye for now. I hope you all enjoyed this special guest series episode brought to you by radioguestlist.com. Again, this is your host, Alex Muir. And if you'd like to learn more about kind of what I do and this podcast, Mindset Podcast, um, you can check me out on my social media. I always post all my links of my social media in every episode that I post. And I share all my posts, uh, my podcast posts on my LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. So you'll be able to check out the podcast links on there. So if you want to connect with me, get to know me, I will be answering messages on there um, if you have any questions. And again, if you want to hear more episodes like these or if you have any feedback, please let me know uh, in, uh, on social media. You can send me a message or you can, uh, yeah, feel free to follow my uh, podcast and uh, be sure to you know, keep, keep checking in and see what I'm, what I'm up to. I really appreciate everyone that listens to my podcast and uh, 
Hope you guys all enjoyed and see y'all next time. Take care.